0: Welcome to the Florida Specifier Podcast. This is Brett Cyphers, and I'm joined today by my co host and fellow members of the Specifier Editorial Board. First, we have Ryan Matthews. Ryan is the former Deputy Secretary and Secretary of the Florida Department of Environmental Protection and is now with the Gray Robinson Law Firm. How are you, sir? I'm good, Brett, I guess. Fair enough. That's a good start. Right. We also have Jeff Littlejohn. He's also a former Deputy Secretary at DEP and is now a principal at National Stormwater Trust, and On-Site Performance, and he's also a Senior Advisor at the Adams and Reese Law Firm. And last but definitely not least, we have Patrick Gillespie. Patrick is the Editor-in-Chief of the Florida Specifier, who, in addition to making the trains run on time, is also a Government Affairs Advisor with Adams and Reese Law Firm. Then there's me. I'm the former Executive Director of the Northwest Florida Water Management District and current partner at Anfield Consulting. Gentlemen, it's great to be with you today. You as well as always, Brett. How are you? Nobody's asked you how you I are. I know. Yeah, I get that. I'm doing well, sir. Thank you very much for asking. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for asking. So as of this recording, we are at the beginning of week three of the legislative session here in Florida, and that's that uh, means a lot's going on. Ryan, as you look at the session so far, a few things have got to stand out for you. The biggest one that sticks out in my mind is something we talked about before we started a recording, and... That's the budget. In fact, we even wrote, I think, the front page article on the budget. Are we on a collision course here, man? Well,
1: Brett, that's a little bit of a loaded question. I mean, we're always on a a collision course when it comes to the budget, simply just because of the process that is currently laid out. You know, the governor has a recommended budget that he submits at least a month before the start of session. Uh, The legislature has the power of the purse and the power to appropriate, and then the governor has the veto pen. So, I mean, you could argue that every year we're on a collision course. This year, seemingly, there is money abound to be spent because revenue projections continue to show on a month-over-month basis. There's plenty of money, but I do think that we, what I am sensing and hearing is, is that we may see a little bit more fiscal conservatism this particular session, and, and we may even see a stark difference between where the House and Senate want to be, because really right now we're beginning budget negotiations. I mean, they have, you know, each chamber is going to put out their individual budgets this week.
0: Yeah, and I I guess that's probably the point I was getting to is sometimes you have this conflict between the the legislature at large and the governor's office in terms of what the governor would like to see. His own priorities obviously are things that he wants to have happen, but usually the disconnect is between the governor and the legislature. This time we're looking at a significant difference between the Senate and the House at this point. Potentially multi billions of dollars. Right. For folks out there, like what does that mean for when you're approaching dealing with clients, the level of expectation, how do you manage those expectations going into that?
1: So it's a little bit tougher this year, just because I think the inevitable question a client would ask after you sort of outline the fact pattern where we stand is, but there's money to be spent. And obviously everybody's biased in terms of their own projects and where money should be spent. But I think that we're starting to see a couple things that are at least promising from an environmental perspective, right? I mean, opening day of session, we had the speaker talking about the need to heavily invest in infrastructure and to do so with revenues from the Seminole Compact and and gambling dollars. They're extensive. So, you know, again, we could have individual member projects suffer Mm -hmm. ultimately, but larger environmental infrastructure
0: dollars bolstered. Do you want to take a second to talk about that for just a bit? Because there may be folks out there that don't know about that, you know, that offering because I think it surprised a lot of folks. This is your rodeo, buddy. We can talk about it if you want to. Yeah, let's go after it. All right.
1: We have got two proposals right now, one in the House, one in the Senate, whereby I think the House just has effectively a placeholder that says we're going to spend – 95% plus of revenues from the Seminole Gaming Compact on environmental infrastructure matters. The Senate more explicitly lays out where those dollars will be spent. And those are things like land management, water quality and quantity, rural and family lands program. So I think that it is probably a point of negotiation between the two chambers, whether or not a specific formula is actually outlined in what is known as proviso language in the budget. Or are we just simply having a a vague percentage of revenues dedicated to, quote-unquote, environmental infrastructure?
0: Thank you for indulging me. Absolutely. Jeff, let's move to you out there on the phone. The new statewide stormwater rule seems to be moving forward toward ratification. I believe we predicted on this very show that it would move forward. But we also predicted that it would have some changes with it. Can you talk a little bit about the proposed rule and from your own personal take, professional take on how that's going so far?
2: Sure, Brett. Well, first, uh, you know, news, breaking news in case members of the audience haven't seen it yet. The ratification bill was filed in the Senate last week. It was just a just a placeholder bill out of Senate and Environmental Natural Resources Committee. It doesn't have any language in it yet, but we're expecting to see some language coming in there. Um, I'm still hearing from almost everybody I talked to, that we're likely to see a clean ratification of the rule that was adopted in spring of 2023, and that the appetite for for tweaking that is is waning or maybe maybe ending. So um, I, I, yeah, I think we're I think we're likely going to see a clean ratification without changes this year. I think one of the reasons why that is growing, why that sentiment is growing, is you know folks that aren't really in the weeds of of the rule don't know. The rule would go into effect this July, but the the requirement to comply with the new standards is delayed for an additional year. So it does have a built-in kind of cooling off period after it's adopted, and and so I think there's you know there'll be another session between now and that the implementation of the new standards. And so I think that that has cooled off. I think some of the the, the heat on what the impact of that new rule will be.
0: Yeah, I think what I'm getting here. Jeff and Ryan is murmuring, but not knowing specifically what that murmuring means. Ryan, what are you hearing from folks? You spend the most time in the building. What are you hearing from folks?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Jeff is correct in his assessment. You know, the only caveat that I would add is that, you know, things are certain until they're uncertain in the legislative process. And and sometimes that happens quickly. You know, I do believe that there are a majority of legislators who would like a clean ratification, but I don't think you can rule out a couple who may still want to see tweaks and changes and, and what those changes look like. You know, I don't know, but I, I would say that as certain as you can be in this process the tea leaves say that it is more likely
0: than not you get a clean ratification. There you go. You heard from Ryan. Patrick, you've landed another great issue, as always, for January and February. Do you want to talk a little bit about it thematically? Because I think that's something that you've wanted to build into these issues as we've gone forward. What do you think about this issue?
3: Yeah, thanks, Brett. So, you know, obviously, as we were publishing early January, we wanted to make this a little bit of a focus on legislative session. Obviously, that's kind of top of mind for a lot of people in Tallahassee. But even for, you know, broader readership, I think, you know, what we've been talking about here, there's important policy, there's important budget, there's important things that are going on in, in that process that that will ultimately affect everyone who's in this world. So if there's rule changes that are required if there's policy changes that are that are going to be pushed out that's going to affect permitting and and it's going to affect local rule all these different topics so we wanted to make sure that we had a little bit that touched on legislative session Uh, obviously that is not our entire audience so we wanted to also include Kind of the, the variety of articles that we typically do, and that's everything from water management district programs to funding sources that are out there to Color Springs State Park and, and some changes there. So we wanted to make sure there was a focus on session,
0: but we didn't want to overwhelm the paper with that kind of content. Yeah, and let's talk about some of the articles. And before we get into because I know we do the kind of everyone's favorite article And I know I'll pick one from Northwest as usual, or at least a water management district as usual. And so, you know, foreshadowing for everyone out there. Jeff will pick six. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I'm preempting that by asking Jeff to address an article that's by Mike Rubin from the Ports Council dealing with your favorite subject, which is the rice's whale. I mean, you already expounded on it some before we started recording. Talk a little bit about where we are on that and what it bodes for the future.
2: Well, thanks for pigeonholing me, gentlemen. Um, for the record, I actually wasn't going to pick Mike's article this time for my favorite, although it is an excellent article and Mike did a great job. No, the the, um, the issue seemed to be kicked down the road a little bit by, by the, the federal agencies that are the National Ocean Administrative and Atmospheric Association, sorry, NOAA, it's a mouthful. Um, the agency did reject a petition from environmental groups to impose critical habitat designation for the Rice's whale in the Gulf of Mexico. That was a positive result because that would have imposed some pretty serious limitations on, on shipping across the Gulf of Mexico. But there is still on the table a proposed speed rule that would limit nighttime. Commerce actually prevent ships from from transiting at night. So at nighttime, they would have to cease operations and then also impose a daytime speed limit. So that's still out there. It's still something that's very near and dear to the, to the ports council and Florida ports. So we're, we're tracking it closely. Mike's doing a great job um, staying engaged on that issue.
0: Uh, anything else in there to grab your attention?
2: Yeah, it, since since you're expecting me to pick more than one, yes, uh, sir. Yeah, I was actually I was actually admiring the two the two articles about about the emergence of technology into our field. There's one on drones and machine learning for wetland delineations that was just very interesting to me. I'd like to see that issue get more attention and hopefully um, become more widespread. I thought that Arthur did a great job explaining. The emergence of that technology and the application in our in our industry and then the one on the coastal community or coastal structures was also very interesting to me as a as an engineer i like to see new technology entering into our industry and i thought i thought both of those articles were well written and um uh, and just interesting to me personally
0: and patrick i know that you love all of your column inches equally but are there a, a thing or two that stands out for you
3: yeah. So, you know, on the front page, we obviously had a story about the proposed budget. Uh, we also had a really neat story from St. John's River Water Management District about a fishing program that also not only got rid of invasive species, but also had an environmental benefit to St. John's River. And so I thought that was a really neat story that, you know, a lot of times the water management districts, and I'm sure you can speak to this, don't always get their story told because I think the general public doesn't doesn't really understand what the water management districts do as well as other Government agencies, so I, I thought that was a really neat story. Obviously, we you know were following different legislative issues not only from the budget, but we had a really good bill tracker that Ryan helped put together, and then legislation on on bears and what what the legislature may be considering related to that topic. And so that's that's always an interesting one in Florida. I also this is a little bit self serving, but I really like the the cybersecurity story as it related to uh, water utilities because I think that's something that probably most environmental policy people are not really thinking about at the same level as other other issues that utilities have to deal with. It's just probably not as big of a topic, but there were some issues with that across the country. And so just kind of keeping tabs on things that I think are, are interesting in Florida. Yeah.
0: I'm glad you're mixing up a bit with things like that. What about you, Ryan? Maybe the fishing report? Fishing report's great. Love that.
1: Um, no, I, I think I'd give kudos to Patrick. I mean, he mentioned it, but he sort of played the role of Jeff and picked four articles that he enjoyed this this issue. So I did want to talk a little bit further about the, the cybersecurity as it relates to utilities, simply because I thought the article was very well written. But also I have clients who have asked for a bill to be filed this session by Representative Kennedy and Senator Yarborough dealing with critical infrastructure and establishing new criminal penalties for both physical attacks of assets on the ground, such as lift stations or substations for electric utilities, but also imposing new criminal penalties on cybersecurity violations as well. So I think this is an issue that the legislature is wrapping their their head around. Uh, The bills have passed through their first committees of reference in each chamber unanimously, and and we're very well received. We are, again, trying to look at defining what is critical infrastructure, and our list is substantial right now. But again, it was something that didn't previously have a a state criminal violation in statute. So I think it's very important to to set that standard, because we have seen sort of a rash of attacks, both on the cyber and physical front nationwide over the past couple years. Yeah brett what about you what's your favorite article and why is it about bear attacks
0: <laughs> uh surprise surprise it is a, it is about northwest florida water management district but not because it's about the northwest florida water management district it's thematically what's behind it which is the 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 article is about deadlines for funding opportunities these are funding opportunities that exist statewide with the exception of the springs money which is only limited to the the four northern water management districts It's money that the legislature and the governor have approved for the the last six, seven, eight years plus, and folks are missing. If you're within the sound of my voice and you're into doing alternative water supply projects, conservation projects, reuse projects, springs restoration projects, you should be getting involved with these water management districts. They're doing great work. They're working with communities and other stakeholders. Northwest is just one of those. Check out their their deadline. I believe it's February 23rd. And, you know, I'd like to see this as that public informational component as environmental folks to get more of this information out. And so I'm very glad that Northwest did it. Northwest is my favorite, but I think it stands for all of them. Keep an eye on it.
1: I love that. I think actually we need to make a note of this as we're in the midst of recording, but wouldn't it be great to get someone from the district or DEP next funding cycle to talk about all of their grant programs and really get that information out there? Because if there are dollars to be had, we certainly would want folks to to be going after those.
0: Yeah, I think one of the criticisms, and you know it to be a fact I think we were talking about earlier, I certainly heard it in the building today, was folks are having trouble spending these dollars that the legislature is putting towards these priorities. We know that the need exists, and then we know that the need it, it exceeds the given resources we have now. But if people are not attaching themselves to those dollars for the projects, there's a real problem. And so, yes, sir, I agree. Absolutely. Well, let's
1: kick this back to Patrick. Patrick, what are, what are some things that our listeners can expect in upcoming issues of the specifier? Sure. So, so post-session, we'll, we'll obviously be recapping the budget. Major policy that ends up passing, but
3: just to kind of give readers sort of the, the preview and then the, the recap of what occurs. I don't want to give everything away that's going to be in the next edition, but I think we have some really interesting content coming up, you know, about some projects that are going on around the state, some new technologies and, you know, so, some of these kind of overarching policy and, and legal issues that are kind of floating out in the environmental world, we'll, we'll kind of tackle that a little bit. So I, th- I think the, the next edition will have a, a solid offering of, of different articles, different topics like we've been trying to do.
0: Yeah, and I want us to talk a little bit because there's one of the features in, in the paper and it's really timely. And in addition to my admonition as it relates to funding of water projects at a regional level, there are also things going on that I think our listeners would like to engage in and may not know they exist, but I know that Patrick's done a great job of incorporating these things into these issues. And so I want to hit on a few interesting calendar items that that piqued my interest. Ryan, I know you're, you are affiliated with the Florida Groundwater Association. There's a Florida Groundwater Conference. Talk about that a bit because it's going on, I think, by the time folks hear this right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've been proud to represent the the water well drillers in this state for a number of years now. They have a couple of meetings each year. Largely, this this meeting will be to discuss past legislative priorities that have been put forward by the association. We actually have a piece of legislation in both the House and the Senate sponsored by Senator Trumbull and Chair Stan mclean dealing with a lot of water well driller enforcement issues. Brett, this was something that we talked about back when you were at your time at Northwest trying to get everyone on an even playing field, meaning all of the water management district versus those counties who have delegated programs for water well drillers, trying to ensure that there aren't folks who are licensed in other states, immediately licensed in Florida, because obviously our geology is a little bit different with with the aquifer. So I'm sure that will be a hearty piece of the discussion. But also it's to talk about larger items, you know, supply chain issues, you know, the number of rigs that we have in the state, the availability of crews to to drill the wells that we need for, you know, injection, for removal, for everything that goes on. So it's a really, it's a good conference. Again, they have a couple each year, but it's just a nice time to get together and kind of discuss the issues that the industry faces right now
0: I like it and I'm going to put in a plug for the 37th annual national conference on beach preservation technology and it's put on by our friend Pepper Uccino at the Florida Shores and Beaches Preservation Association and it's being held in lovely St. Augustine Beach from February 7th through the 9th so definitely check that out Pepper's great guy great organization and it should be really interesting
1: I enjoyed the water for fighting conversation you had with Pepper, for sure. But Pepper, no free ads, so invoices in the mail. <laughs> I think with that, we're probably going to close this one out. Thank you for listening to the Florida Specifier podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review. If you don't like what you hear, well then, let us know how we can improve the show. Or just subscribe to the Specifier online at floridaspecifier.com and read your environmental news and commentary the old-fashioned way. But do be sure to, to subscribe. It's easy, inexpensive, and offers a ton of ways to read, watch, listen, and learn at your fingertips. We definitely appreciate your support. Production of this podcast is by Carl Soren and David Barfield at Lonely Fox Studios, and we want to thank Bagels and Biscuits for letting us use their music for the podcast. Join us next time as we delve into the issues, policy, and people that environmental professionals and policymakers want to know about. For the final time, for Jeff Littlejohn on the road, Brett Cyphers, and Pat Gillespie, I'm Ryan Matthews. We'll see you next time.